Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 451, Holiday Gift Guide for 2023. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Hello friends, we are back and we are talking about, once again, as always, because it's the holiday season, the latest and greatest that hopefully you'll be able to pick up. So we have a tremendous list, a shopping list, a holiday list, a Christmas list, a Hanukkah list, a Kwanzaa list, whatever reason you need to be able to purchase more games that you cannot fit in your home. Now is the time, my friends. Go for it. Yes. Yeah, buy more stuff. We are Capitalism. Driving capitalism. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Woo! Living the dream, Brady. It's not going to burn, right? It's yeah. okay. Yeah, no, the... the the world is definitely better for it. I it is. Can, I cannot think of a single thing that would uh, discount what I just said. No, no, it's all good. So, Anthony, this is the season. Do you remember many... Look, we've done 10 years of this. The holiday season, the holiday gift season for board games. It's been different, right? Yeah, yeah, it's... I, I mean, a lot of things have changed. When we first got into this, there was the big holiday sales, mm -hmm. right, that we would, like sit on our computers for, watch the websites crash <laughs> repeatedly. But they'd be really, really good sales. And they I, were very good sales. Like, two-thirds of my early collection was from those sales. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of games were hard to find, too. So when they would come in, or, like, if you asked for a gift, it would be, like, very exciting for someone to have tracked that down for you. Sure. Now, it's, you know, we come, keep coming back to this, but it's a lot of stuff that was on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, there are four or five games that 
I almost put on the list this year that I'm like, oh, you can't actually get that right now because it shipped uh, from Kickstarter. It hasn't hit retail or it did and it sold out immediately and they're going to run another campaign next year. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. That's fun. Nobody can get that game. Um, So it it definitely makes things more difficult. Also, games are really expensive now, so it's hard to be like, yeah, go buy your friend this game that's $227. Like, they're going to do that. Oh, I want, I want, I want the game, Anthony. No, I mean, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Nobody else. Yeah. Again, back in the day, again, not to throw it back too much or, or too far, but yeah, the industry has changed a lot. I mean, Asmodee coming in and buying a lot of the smaller companies that really were making tremendous games. And you had so many small companies producing so many games that there was a wonderful glut of just great games out there in the market, or in some, and sometimes a lot of generic or even bad games in the market. Like everyone needed to have a deck builder at some point. So like every company had like one or two or three or 12 deck builders. Right. So when they, you know, the stuff went on sale, it's like you had your choice. And then Asmodee again, because of how they kind of gobbled up the smaller companies, they just produced less games. So there was less games on the market, less availability as far as that's concerned. And then Kickstarter came along, and then it became about back a game that you will not see for one to two to three to four years, or I don't know, even longer for some games. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's a, some games out there we back that may or may not exist. Probably sure. not. Yeah, it's just it's flattened the market, like you said. It's better in some respects because if a game comes out, you can almost assuredly get that game. Yeah. Like that game is going to be available. You could get it through Amazon. You could get it through, I guess, at this point, the one or two online game stores that are left. I think we just, this year, we lost Cool Mini or, no, no I'm sorry, Cool Stuff Inc. Cool Stuff Inc. stopped selling board games. Yeah. So, you know, you got Mentor Market. You got, I don't know. <laughs> game Nerds. Game sometimes. Nerds, great. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where I buy stuff now. There was so. a couple of other small companies too back in the day online, and our uh, our friend Carmen used to run one as well. So yeah. there was a lot more literal mom and pop stores, like literally a mom and pop like storing games in their house kind of things. Uh, yeah. And then uh, obviously there's a lot of new stuff out there. Um, one of our friends who helps sponsor our charity event, uh, Boardtopia, uh, they have a website and online store, so you can find what you want. And we put together a list that we believe will help you find some great games for the different categories and different availabilities and all that kind of fun stuff. But like for many of us, it's, it's a Kickstarter world these days. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I got two packages today and I was like, Hey games that I backed two years ago. Hey, do I still want this? I, I don't know, but <laughs> Merry Christmas, I guess. Yeah. So. I just, I, I just got a uh, Septima in the mail. And I was waiting forever for that. And then it's it's sent to my old address, and I had to get USPS to intercept it at a cost of $17. And I was like, ah, boo. And they're like, but you don't live there anymore. I'm like, yes, I know. That's why I'm intercepting the package. (laughs) I don't want to pay $17. Weirdly enough, UPS had a similar issue, and they intercepted it for free. And I just picked it up at a Walgreens. So I don't understand. Our post office is awesome. So I'm not sure why they're charging 17 bucks to not deliver something, but. I don't know, but I got it. I punched it. It's great. I haven't haven't played it yet, but I will be playing it soon. So probably next episode, I'll have reviews of of that game. So that's a Mind Clash game that came out that, again, a year or so ago. It's it's too bad it didn't come out on Halloween. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, Kickstarter's been a thing. Anthony, speaking of Kickstarter, uh, one of the biggest stories out there, one of the biggest, it's not necessarily Kickstarter, I guess it's GameFound, is yeah. uh, Food Chain Magnet. Yeah, no, it's our recurring segment. How much is this silly thing going to cost? Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, we just want to know the price. We're not yeah. backing it, but we just want to know the price. And they've released every single piece of information about this, except for the price, which, of course. Uh, here, and the reason why I think that we're so questioning of this is that if you buy the original game with the expansion, it's about $200. Yeah. So this thing with all the upgrades and fancy stuff and new artwork, is it still just going to be the same price? Is is the reason the Splatter games cost so much the fact that they publish them themselves? Or is that like the value of the game and now we're mm-hmm. adding on the value of the artwork and the materials? I want to know! Yeah. It's interesting because is it they're still the publisher, but maybe they're going to publish it differently in, in more of a mass production kind of way. Yeah. I, so that maybe it would be cheaper on that end. And or because you have two games that are, are about 190, give or take, are they going to package? Are they going to feel like, hey, we sold this to everyone we could sell to at 190. Maybe they'll drop the price of those two games in this package because it's a package deal. Yeah. So that might make it also a little bit less. But then on the other side, the new artwork, the new miniatures and things like that, and then whatever GameFound is charging on top of that, that's going to be somewhat costly. So there's a lot of math happening, so to speak. I I am interested. Yeah, I like, and I, I won't back this because I do like my original versions of both of these, but, you know, it's, it's not, you know, you got your 3D restaurants you've got all like your fancy screen printed materials now they did 3d printing of the advertising as well so yeah there's a lot there i don't know it's just it's one of those weird ones that i just can't wrap my head around um and they say they're gonna have stretch goals so i'm like for what if you're not adding anything what are they for yeah Ah. and they're not really stretch goals right like back in the day again not to go not to go old man on us but like Back in the day, the stretch goals were there because they didn't. They had to do something to get you to back it. Like this is going to back. There's oh, not. Yeah. There's not a question. So they've decided. They've des- decided slash devised what a lot of companies do these days, which is like we know that the cost is going to be X, and it's going to include this number of things in it. Let's just pretend it doesn't include any of those and just say that they're unlockable. Yeah. So it's. It's not that. I mean, I think those the days of those kind of things are gone. Like it's it's all well known, it's all well planned out. It's it's just trying to get more attention so that, you know, more news attention. Oh, they they unlocked I don't know, the fast food joint. So therefore <laughs> you can get fast food joints. The one thing I'll say though is like this is one of my favorite games. I don't own a copy, but again, it's one of those games where like you do need a particular group to play it. But also at the same time, out of all the splatter games, and I like a lot of the splatter games, this one seemed to be the have the best production. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that like I understand it's the most popular. It's like number 35 on Board Game Geek, but I'm surprised that they chose this to upgrade because I think if you would have taken some of the other games that are lesser known but are great, just like Brass was lesser known but great, mm-hmm. I think that would have catapulted the purchasing because a lot of people own this. Like, they just own it. And it was so expensive that it's really hard to think of spending that much money again. Yeah. You know, like, Castles of Burgundy, 
costs 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, oh, you want to pay 175 for a really fancy version? You're like, okay. You know, if you're crazy like me. Uh, but the original wasn't that expensive. This was like, I spent $200 for my edition of Food Chain Magnet. And now you're asking me for another $200. <laughs> like, do you think they'll do an add-on kit? I don't know. Like they say the tiles and everything are bigger. They're 25% bigger. So I don't know that you could. <laughs> That's just done so that they can't, right? That's I this think is, so, yeah. This they're like... A- yeah, they're like advertising like, oh my gosh, everything's 25% larger. I'm like, oh, cool. So I can't like just buy the 3D miniatures. I got to buy the whole thing. Cool. Yeah. Great. This is, uh, was it Asian Railroads? Yeah. Where like, oh, we changed the color of some of the tracks. Like, but why? You could have just made this an expansion and released it so we could all play it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> it's not compatible now. Yeah. <laughs> why did you do that? Money. <laughs> yep. Okay. Because the map tiles look roughly the same. Sure. Like, that's like the one thing that did, really didn't get much of an upgrade. There's no topography on the maps. It's so just like weird. plain empty lots and the roads. And I'm like, that's what they look like now. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, again, that was the one thing that if I had a, any criticism of, of the production, the artwork, the graphic design, that would be it. It was the tiles looked like graph paper. Yeah. And again, it's splatter. And again, I think people who don't really play splatter, I know there's a criticism of like splatter players, whatever, like that we... We love that kind of aesthetic. I don't. I don't love that kind of aesthetic that Splatter puts out, but for a throwback quasi fifties theme, it fits. You know, if it was if it was if it was fast food joints of this day and age, it wouldn't fit. Like no, yeah. So I don't know. It, it kind of lends itself to that kind of past look, right? If it's all. Again, maybe that's going to be an issue with it, right? When we look at the final production of the game, maybe it is so shiny and sparkly and polished and bright and colorful that it doesn't remind us of, like, old-timey thing. Again, things were bright and colorful back then, don't get me wrong, but, like, our memory of things have a certain sepia photoness to it. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it will be interesting to see, because I, I don't know. What do you think, I- cost-wise? Ah, uh, I feel like all in with whatever nonsense additions that they think up, we're looking at up to 300. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be between 249 299 just because I think they're going to keep that dollar off because that's what everyone does. But I think they're going to I think it's going to cost I think it's going to cost 50 more dollars. I think it's just I think they're going I I think I think with some of this, I think because it's been out before, they're going to feel like they need to make it a little cheaper. And I don't, I don't imagine the the plastic pieces to be so crazy expensive. I think it's going to be another fifty to seventy five. I think it's just going to stay in there. Um, if it's if it's like you're saying, if it's like three hundred up, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, you know, $100 worth of miniatures and things like that. I mean, I know, like you said, other stuff is going to be enlarged. But. Right. I, I, and, and honestly, as you're listening to this, it's already up, so you can just go check. So this oh, is really. Oh, don't do that. No. I, well, I mean, it, you know, stick, this is stick, almost. <laughs> stick with us. <laughs> yeah, no, go check and then come back or keep listening as you check. Oh. But, but it's fun to kind of prognosticate and this is going to be kind of like a little time capsule of us thinking about it before the fact we'll see if we're right or not but i i don't know we'll see this is 
This is not going to be the one that breaks everybody's back. I don't know what game that would be. Like people will keep spending hundreds of dollars on games they already own. At some point, we're all going to collectively be like, "Wait, what? No!" But we're not there yet. Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about this. I think when Frosthaven came out during the pandemic, and people were in bad shape, and like it made like several millions of dollars. Like, yeah, people were not you know pushed back by that at all. So I'm sure they had they must have had some marketing research and said people still want this upgrade it and we can make like you're saying like 300 plus dollars so it wouldn't terribly surprise me if this was 300 350 i'm just hoping that clearer minds kind of went out and also i wonder too like i like this game a lot this mm-hmm. game is a bear to play like yeah there are gonna be a lot of very upset people like people are going to pick this game up going, Oh, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. It's fun. It's, it's, it's number 23 and they'll just back it because it's number 23 on, yeah, you know, on board game geek. And then when they get to sit down to play it, it is, it is very, uh, very nasty. It's very aggressive. Yep. You can mess with people unintentionally and you could be out of that game and have to sit for another two hours. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to be you got to be open to that and then there's also a lot of calculations too there's a lot yeah. of like you know like all right so all my things are a dollar less but you're 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 a step closer but this is on just good luck people yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to see the the production and the video that they're going to need to get like non-splatter people on board for this i know yeah i mean they're they've done a lot like if you look at that the, what's on their campaign page now, there's nothing in there about how to play the game. <laughs> like, uh, it's not a full thing either. We'll see what it looks like on Tuesday, but sure. it's really just like, look at these miniatures, look at this artwork, look at all these awards it's won, it's so it's highly true. rated. It's great. It's We're not going to tell you how mean it is. <laughs> they're they're going to try to do the brass thing. They're just yeah. going to try to release a game that is more complex than people are used to, but it's going to look so much prettier that you're going to want to back it. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing that we, I don't know if it's been up on the page. I think they're doing paper money, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's fabric tear proof or tear resistant, I guess. Is that going to be more costly or, I mean, they're missing out on coins. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think I've always played this. It comes with paper money now, but I think I've always played it with poker chips. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I would want to play with paper money, even if they've made it somehow feel like real money i mean aren't we uh, at the at the point now we could actually play with american money it's like might be cheaper yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so we'll see how it is and we'll see how much of a premium that puts on the game they're like no no we have this new technology it's like brand it's like feels like real money and we're like yeah but that's an extra 30 bucks at some point they're gonna, at some point they're just gonna pack real money into the game right yeah <laughs> they'll be like this is a game about american business there's like the game costs five hundred dollars, and there's like three hundred dollars in cash in the in the box. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just like little gold bricks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you you'll know we don't. So enjoy our ignorance for another couple of days. Yeah, it's and gonna be like eighty five dollars, and we're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> did not see that coming. <laughs> no, but uh, no, it should be a lot of fun. It's a great game. It's just people have to be aware of what they're backing when they back this. And again, yeah. it's also going to be weird. Like you said, the price of the game has stayed fairly consistent. Maybe it's knocked off. And I think initially when it came out, it was crazy price. It was like 150 and it went down to like a hundred, but then it stayed around there. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's, I think retail is one twenty five or one thirty, and you can yeah. get it online stores like ninety ninety five yeah. at the lowest. I paid ninety yeah. for mine. Yeah, but that's always what it is because Splatter doesn't print that many. Yeah, so we'll see. I think it bodes well for maybe their future that we'll see more of like maybe an initial release will be have the high production value. That'd be nice. Yeah, like I got Horseless Carriage this year. It's their typical production. It, it was is a typical price. It was a lot of money. So. Which is weird because they could have done that at a high end because it has cars in it. I know that would have been cool. <laughs> cars and stores, and and it, and it has a mechanic where you're basically putting together like uh, I don't know machines or store parts together. So that you know it has a puzzle element is what I'm saying. So that m- yeah. might have actually even looked nice putting the different puzzle elements together. Hey everybody, Anthony here, just jumping in to tell you about a contest we are currently running. If you head on over to the facebook.com slash boardgamersanonymous, you will find a link to a contest. All we're asking you to do is let us know your five favorite games from 2023. Uh, the next episode, we're going to be compiling all those and building a top 10 list of the listeners' favorite games of the years so far. And if you fill that out, you are entered to win a game from the final list. So please fill that out. It is available over on the Facebook page. Uh, it should take Eight seconds. Depend <laughs> how fast you type. Uh, and uh, you'll be entered into that contest. All right. Back to the show. All right. Well, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Anthony, that's not the only thing that's happening. You're coming out with your big Patreon episode. Yeah. Yeah. This week I am up for my next episode in the top 100 deep dive. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I finished up the top half of the top 100. I don't know. I got up to 50. So now I'm doing 50 through 41, episode six of the deep dive. Uh, and so what I've been doing is going through 10 at a time, my top 100 games and talking about why it's there. If I think it will stay there the next time I update my list, which we're going to do next year. Uh, if it's a game that has been replaced by something else, or if I've even played it recently, like those kinds of things. Um, and it's fun. It's kind of fun to go back and think about each of these games for you know a few minutes uh, and, and see where they're at. I've actually... I had a couple where I'm like, oh, I should go play that again, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I have time, like it's, you know, at the end of the semester right now, but, you know, it's almost the holidays. I'll have some free time soon. Like there's a few games that are now on the, on the queue because of it. So sure. check it out. They're fun. The, the first five episodes of this are already on Patreon. If you are a backer at the $5 tier or higher. So you can check those out at any time. They're in the feed. Um, and the new one will be up on Wednesday, probably. Nice. And you can check out my kick in the habit on our Patreon account. And listen to me talk about, again, the latest and greatest that's happening on crowdfunding. And watch me struggle not to back games, which I eventually do live on the podcast. So (laughs) join me in my collective shame as I purchase games at crazy insane prices. So obviously on the next one, I will be talking about the game we just talked about. And let's see if I will or will not back it. So I don't own it. So could happen. (laughs) It's the price, man. We'll see. Maybe I'll lose all of my willpower, and then you can just buy my old copy. Oh, we'll be happy, right? Well, you did back the Burgundy one, so you're into the plastic. I did, I did. Um, man, that thing annoys me. It's it's so good, but it also annoys me. Yeah, we'll talk about it more end of year stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> such a big box. All right. Well, as always, that's what's happening with us, Anthony. What's happening with all our friends out there? What's our question of the week? All right. So if you remember correctly, last week we asked, well, we we thought a while and they didn't did not come up with a good answer of what you would call a group of meeples. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a pride of lions. You got a murder of crows. What is a group of meeples called? And ah. so we 
we asked all of you because collectively uh you're a lot smarter than we are so it's true yeah, let's let's see what the listeners came up with uh so over on the patreon uh, again you can answer the question of the week on patreon or in the discord channel uh, board gamers anonymous discord channel and be um, entered into our weekly contest to win a game uh when we we well not weekly every two to three weeks but a couple times a month we give away a game for the contest winners on the question of the week and this week we had a few answers first up from drew he called it a keydom of meeples. Uh, though there may be ongoing debate, keydom is considered by many to be the first worker placement game. It has a nice ring for a collection of meeples. Oh, like it. All right. So dive it into history, Drew. I'll love it. Uh, Chris says a collection, Ooh. but only if you want to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Like a worker it. displacement game. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For your whole collection. Um, Antoine says, when I see a picture of colorful and iconic meeples, I would think of Carcassonne. So it's a Carcassonne of meeples for me. See, that's not bad. Go, go yeah. simple. It makes sense. Yeah, I actually like that one a lot because it's, it's, it almost seems like the most obvious, but nobody else thought of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, over in the Discord, we have Game Master Dave says, uh, controllers of, a controller of meeples. Okay. Like it. Because uh, they're control markers. True, uh, true. Control. Control Shift Home says a creep of meeples. <laughs> a crowd plus meeple equals creep. Got it. Great. Uh, Martin says a good time of meeples. Okay. We've got Jeremy says a mound of meeples. I can see that. Adrian says a mess of meeples. A mess of meeple. Very literate. Like it. Yeah. Like it. Um, and Evie Step says a union of meeples. Okay. Power to the people. Property yeah. of the meeples. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Especially this has, you know, been a good union year. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then over on the Facebook page, because again, all of our question of the week goes out to everybody. So you can answer these whether you're backing or not, although we always appreciate your support. Um, we have Tib say the supply of meeples. Okay. Uh Scott says a cloister of meeples. Gotcha. Uh we have Willie saying a crowd of meeples. Okay. Uh, we have Jenny saying a gaming of meeples. Okay. Austin says a family of meeples. Good. Like it. Thomas says a good time. <laughs> That's true. Brand- Brandon says meepsters. Meepsters. There you go. Yeah. Love it. Uh, John says a game of meeples. Uh, Ryan is seconding a supply. Supply. So okay. A couple votes for a supply of meeples. Um, we have Shane saying a placement or euro of meeples. Okay. Sure. And then Lance is just going full, just word mash, Meopoly. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, like we have a million options here. I don't actually know. What do you think? Which one's the best? <laughs> I still like my forest of meeples. Now, um, the Carcassonne. Yeah, nobody wins. I win. <laughs> uh, I still like my forest of meeples because I made a wood. Uh, the Carcassonne one's very good. Yeah. Although I I love that the fact that it goes back to where it began. I don't know if that confuses, like, if other publishers would be cool with that because it's literally advertising. But it's also hearkening back to where it came from, and people should be thankful for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, you know, look, this is what I'm going to go with. It's hard. I'm going to go to Union of Meeples, and I'll tell you why. Because it is worker placement, like. Nine times out of ten, you're using meeples for worker placement. They're workers, right? They could be a lot of different types of workers, whether it's scientists or chefs or you know people in a machine or building. But 
a union of workers. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot too, and it, it flows well. Like all of these are very good. We got yes. a lot of good answers. Maybe I'll put up another poll and just see what everybody. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but for now, EV Step, you are our winner of just our random discussion. Um, but <laughs> there you go. But you are actually a winner of a game. I'm going to send you an email. You're going to have a list of games to choose from. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, everybody who entered. It was a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we'll think of other collective game components that we can name. Mm. Or people who listen to the podcast our friends out there are they bgaers or uh, i don't it doesn't no i don't know uh that's a question for another day yeah yeah <laughs> we're doing it again <laughs> all right everyone well thank you so much for responding out there no matter where it is again it's the holiday season we want more people to get gaming so please let people know about the podcast whether it's on social media or hit us up and drop a review. It means a lot to us, and it gets that algorithm working. And again, the more the algorithm works, the more people get into gaming. And then, the more people you have at the table to play games with, because that's literally the biggest problem we have with gaming. Not the games themselves. Yeah. It's getting the people to the table. So, uh, help us convert some more people into a union of meeples. Love it. Alright, everyone. Let's get on to our feature review! So, our feature review, of course, is the latest and greatest of the holiday gift-giving season. It's 2023. It's been a very good year for gaming. It's not over yet. PAX Unplugged is coming up, and we will be there. But until that happens, because all of the holiday shopping, Black Friday kind of stuff here in the U.S. and other places, happens now. So a lot of those games are out there, and you should know what's a good, a good pickup, right? Because... If we could do anything, we want to lead you to some great games that you should look at, play, and hopefully not be able to dodge and burn this week. So, Right. <laughs> and we've done this for the last couple of years, and we've got a lot of great feedback, and we're so appreciative of it because people are looking for something new to get to the table, something fun to get to the table, but have not played everything. This is a really good opportunity to get this stuff together. And Anthony, another great year, right? Yeah, this is actually like I feel like last year was a little tough. Um it was we had like that post-COVID hangover, not a ton of great games, a lot yeah. of Kickstarter stuff, a lot of things just were not available to buy. This year is almost the opposite. There's so much stuff that yeah. and a lot of it I haven't even gotten to play yet, just because the fall's been so crazy that I'm like, I have this backlog of stuff. I'm like, I've got to get these games in before end of the year game stuff, but uh so many choices like so if you're looking at games to buy your family your friends yourself for the holidays lots and lots of options this time around all right i think well why don't you start off with the first category all right uh first up we have the app category so the digital we're going to talk about uh best thing that you could pick up probably for yourself but you can obviously gift these things to other people um all the app stores and steam allow you to do that so uh, a couple of big ones came out here recently. We'll talk about those. What do you have? Uh, you want to go first? Me first. Okay, I, I can go first. Yeah. Um, I'm just going down the spreadsheet. Okay. I'm a machine, man. <laughs> so the order it's written. Uh, so I'm going to go. Mine is Baldur's Gate 3. Sure. Which, not necessarily an app, not necessarily a board game, but also it is an app, and also <laughs> it is basically... D and D, but the video game. Yeah, uh, it's honestly, if if Tears of the Kingdom hadn't come out this year, this would be my game of the year. 
it's just a brilliant, brilliant implementation that does such amazing. You can do whatever you want in this game, right? It's there's a narrative, but it branches in a million different directions. It feels like D and D in a digital format, yeah. which a lot of games have claimed to do in the past. Sure, and they never really clicked with me. I think the last one I played any significant amount of is Neverwinter Nights. Sure, um, and that was almost twenty years ago. So this one, like, really does something amazing that it's it's almost hard to quantify, at least not mm-hmm. the time we have. Um, where it feels like you're playing D and D, right? With this kind of invisible, you know, omniscient uh, DM that you can't see because it's the game. Yeah. But and you could play over and over again. Like, not that I have time to do that. But you could play <laughs> over and over again, and it would be different, right? Yeah. Uh, I just I love everything about it. The only thing I haven't really had a chance to do, which we should we should figure out, is playing it cooperatively. Oh, right? that'd be getting nice. in there and kind of running through it as you would a D and D campaign. So, yeah. I I haven't really hit a lot of other board game apps this year, but in terms of like tabletop experiences in a digital format, this is probably the favorite, my favorite one I've ever had. So had to mention it. If you haven't picked this up or played it yet, it's on, I think everything at this point, like the Mac version came out <laughs> yeah. at the end of September. Um, so I, I got in late even, but sure. uh, PC, Mac, PS5. I don't know. Check it out. That's excellent. Yeah, I don't think a lot of video gamers who haven't touched D&D or gotten to the board game stuff understands that like D&D has been the core of all of these wondrous fantasy games throughout the years and it's been, you know, it's been kind of a you know, like can you do it? Can you right. make D&D playable for an individual? with the exp- the real experience of D&D like there's been so many different variations on that particular theme you know whether it's Diablo or even if you say Link you know if you go into Zelda kind of world and for so many people this has been it like they like they finally found a home this is really this is unexpected too Baldur's Gate is like again this is number 3 the other one's been around like people did not see this coming so yeah, I mean, it's it's been over 20 years since the last one. Uh-huh. Um, and the games that this company, Larian, made, Divinity Original Sin, their most recent game before yeah. this, was very good yes. and had a lot of those feelings. But this just takes it to a whole other level, right? And That's they've been awesome. working on this for six or seven years, so they haven't had a lot of time to do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just so good. Well, the one I want to talk about is a brand new recent re- release. I think it's actually, in fact, still in early access, but you can get it. You can play it. It is 100% playable and great. It is Dune Imperium. Uh, Dune Imperium's on Steam. Whether it's a Mac or a PC, you can play this. I had you know heard about this, obviously, quite some time. Direwolf Games, app producer, that's what they do. They do video games, and they were like, hey, guess what? Just like with the D&D and Boulder's Gate. Like, these board games, they're actually pretty good, and they would make great video games. So. They made a great video game, and it's weird. It's such a great implementation of the board game because it's the board game. And that has historically been the problem when they port these things over to the digital realm. Like, hey, this is the board game. This is Lorenzo Magnifico, and like it's got a square board, and it's got these places where you put the cards, and you create these wonderful tableau, and you do these things, and you you work the machine, and then like they come out with a monstrosity because, again, a lot of times they 
the video game people don't understand why the board game people love the game. So they try to create this kind of, I don't know, variations on a theme, and it usually is just awful. Or sometimes it just misses the mark. Like, I have Terraforming Mars. I like it. But again, the reason for Terraforming Mars is the tableau, and the board is so big, and the cards are so shrunk down, and it's just, it's a little disappointing. This actually does the whole board. You can play solo versus the AI. You can play skirmishes versus other people online. You can also play uh, with challenges. So you have to play the game, but you have to accomplish certain prerequisites in order to win the game. So again, and the prerequisites are based on the board. There's some music here, nothing to write home about. There's some, you know, effects and things like that. Again, nothing to write home about. The production's good. All the artwork from the game is here. The artwork from the game, of course, is reflective of the new um, uh, the new Dune movies that came out. The second one's coming out. They just they just mentioned that's coming out two weeks early earlier in March. But if you like the game, the board game, you'll love this. And it plays super quick. The AI is really good, and you can play with people online. Dune Imperium, man, great. All right, uh, next up we have the family games category. So these are games that you can play with the whole family, not just games for kids, but games that adults will also enjoy. So the one that I chose uh, this year is Race to the Raft. This is the cooperative path-building sequel to Isle of Cats. So it has the same artwork and style of Isle of Cats, but in this you are building little pathways with the polyominoes out of the fire, trying to rescue all the cats from the fire. Um, the game comes with a bunch of different scenarios that will give you different levels of um, complexity. And because it's cooperative, it's a perfect experience to kind of lay out and play with your family. Sure. Um, the Isle of Cats has always been really great for this because there's a lot of stuff going on in that game. It's not particularly complicated, but there's a lot going on. But it has family rules that strip out some of those bits. Race to the Raft kind of starts that way. It's not inherently complicated, but there are some more complex scenarios if you want a challenge, um, which I like about it, right? It's not random. You have a starting point, and the game has been kind of designed around those starting points. So it is not the most ideal cooperative experience to play with other gamers because of the way it's structured and the way you kind of communicate stuff. Sure. But with children, it's perfect because you can give them help. You can walk them through it. They have some limited information to themselves. And that kind of helps everything flow together really nicely. So we've had a lot of fun with this one with the family. Um, it is available and it is uh, cute. You get little cats and, you know, maybe gloss over the fact that they could potentially die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, my, my daughter was like, wait, what happens? I'm like, no, nah, that's nothing. It's fine. We're just going to try again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, Happy holidays. But that's <laughs> yeah. That's, but that's any co-op game. People die in co-op games or you fail. And bad things happen. Um, so, And it's, it's kind of a good gateway to Isle of Cats, too, which is also, again, same artwork. So Race to the Raft. If you like the cats, if you like that artwork, if you like cooperative stuff for your family, um, this is a really good one. Yeah. I picked a co-op as well. Uh, we've talked about Marvel United for quite some time. But the, I guess the recent retail release of Marvel United Spider Get On, uh, like Armageddon, Armageddon, I guess they're trying to go with. Uh, this is, this is the Spider Verse. This is the the two movies that are you know the new recent Sony slash Marvel movies that have been out. The amazing animation. So 
if you watch the most recent one, the spot, which is the villain in the second one, is here in this game alongside of Venom and all the different spider people from the spider universe and some deep cuts from the comics. What makes Marvel United so great as a co-op and especially in this case, a family game, is that all of the information is pretty much out there in front of you. You, can, you. you need to work together. You need to talk out the situation. The system itself is so smart, and it's so flexible. So when you pull in a new villain, all the information's out there on the board. You don't have to keep pulling out the rulebook. Everything you need is out there or, or in the cards. It's, very, it's easily approachable. Um, you can play with little kids, and you can guide them along the way. They, they're they only going to be playing, like, two cards. So there's nothing too challenging about that. And, again, depending on the characters you play, depending on the villain you play, it can be more or less difficult. We played this at Gen Con. Uh, I've, I have this. I don't know if you have this, Anthony. But if you've watched any of the Spider-Verse movies, you really want to play this because it has all the great spider heroes here. And uh, it's just another... Great game of the Marvel Universe. All right, next up on the list, we've got the party games category. Uh, so I went back in time a little bit to 2022 uh, to grab a game that didn't get a chance to play till 2023. It came out towards the end of last year. Um, but it plays with high player counts. It plays best at high player counts, and it's relatively quick. Um, for a party game, maybe it's a little long, but whatever. Uh, it's Ready, Set, Bet. This is from AEG. It's from designer John D. Clare, who is normally known for his like multi-use card in the sleeve type games. So Mystic Veil and Edge of Darkness and all that good stuff. Um, but Ready, Set, Bet is almost a pure betting and bluffing dice rolling game about horse racing. And you have this big mat, like Vegas style mat, where you're betting on different things and which horses you think are going to win. Uh, and you have little horse meeples kind of running around the track. So it is a fun, quick, chaotic Lots of yelling <laughs> time. Um, it happens. A lot of it happens in real time as well. There's kind of an app integration that goes with it if you want to play that way. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's about as much of a party game experience as I typically enjoy. There's the odd one that comes out where I'm like, yeah, I have fun with this word game. But most of them I don't fully get into. This one I really got into. So um, Ready, Set, Bet uh, is, I think it was the party game winner actually for the golden geek this last year. So um, lots of other people also like it. <laughs> if you need further validation. There you go. I picked out a party game that I reviewed. I don't know, not too long ago, a couple years ago, and they just recently released a fifth anniversary edition. This is Decrypto. Uh, if you have not listened to the review, please go back because there's a good detailed analysis of it. But basically, it's one of those kind of games where you're trying to guess words. But this time, you have two opposite teams, and they play off each other. So what you're going you're gonna to get, and it has this really great production. It's kind of this old throwback computer production. It's just really fun. And it's got these little red screens that look like the computer screens. But again, the cards have that mixed blue and red in them. So when you slide the card in, it shows what the particular word is, so the opponents can't see that. On your team, the, the four words are going to go out. You're going to get a digital code, a you know, decrypted kind of code master. And then it's going to give you, like, the number could be 421. And you have to give, word like, an individual word clue 
for each of those different numbers. And then your team needs to be able to guess in what order, again, what the words are, but obviously in what order. Now, obviously, as the game goes on, the other team is going to have an opportunity to guess what that particular number order might be. So it's not just your team does a thing and their team does a thing. You want to make your words clear enough for your people, but just confusing enough for the other people. So it's a it's it's a very interactive competitive game that's a lot of fun. And it just takes that kind of traditional mechanism of trying to guess what someone's saying, uh, you know, to the next level. So Decrypto, the fifth anniversary edition just came out this year. Yeah, such a such a great game. Uh, all right, next up on the list, we have the solo games category. And I actually had a bunch that I wanted to include here this year. Last year was a little tough on this one, but there's a lot of good solo experiences in 2023. Yeah. But there was a new Shoddy Torbay game that's actually good, so I had to include it. <laughs> sure. Um, this just came out. I just got my copy like a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, it's called Siberion. And it is a game in which you send robots out to repair machines in the Oniverse factory. It's a cool theme. Nice. Um, if you're not familiar with Shadi Torbay and the Oniverse, it started with, well, it started with Urbion, but really with Onirim. And there are now, I want to say, seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tend to come in bursts, right? We had the Onirim second edition, Castellion and Sylveon all came out within six months of each other, uh, eight years ago. <laughs> and then we got Natilion and Arion. Stellarion came out last year, which was fine. I, I liked it fine. But Siberion really is starting to feel like one of the better games in the in the series since Sylveon, which I loved. So this is a game in which you it's a solo only game. His games always have two player rules in them, but they're designed as solo experiences. And it's hand management, which is usually the best stuff from Torbay. That's what Oni Rim is. Um where you need to use your robot cards effectively, right? You're trying to repair all the different things, trigger these different effects. You have this kind of chain reaction going on. It's just a satisfying, engaging experience in the similar vein to his earlier games, right? It's not, again, the recent ones are good. Stellarion was good, but it was very easy, which is why it didn't really click with me as much. It was not, there was no challenge there. Um, This one has a little bit more challenge, a little bit more replayability. The built-in bundle of different expansions that it comes with are also very good um almost all of these are currently in print so if you like like solo only experiences check them all out see which one you like best but this one is quite good um based on an ad that came in the box there's another one coming out next year and they are also going to be reprinting Urbion sometime soon so we're gonna get up to 10 soon I have like a nice marathon of <laughs> shoddy torbay games when i'm um sitting home alone so Siberion, check it out. It's currently available. It's relatively inexpensive. Definitely worth picking up as a solo game. Yeah, there's, like you said, a lot of great solo games this year and made for that kind of solo experience. An expansion that does that great is the Lost Runes of Arnak, the Missing Expedition. I reviewed this a couple of, I guess, not too long ago, a couple of months back uh, when we picked up a copy at Gen Con. And what's great about it is, you know, it really intentionally plays out a really interesting solo or duo story that you can just have a lot of fun getting to the table. It just, the the new characters and their mechanics are built to kind of 
give you that kind of sense of like your character themselves is growing because each of those particular like, gain special abilities and get to do new things. So that's really a lot of fun. And then the story that, that comes out as you do this investigation, even a lot more fun. So this plays great solo. I've had a lot of fun playing this just by myself and I'm not a solo player. So for me, that's a high recommendation. Yeah, this is way up there for me too. This is like my number two or three in the solo. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next up, if you're not alone, you're with somebody else. Two player games. What? <laughs> One of the best two player games of the year. Uh, for me, it has by far and away run away. It's been Star Wars, the deck building game. Sure. Uh, this was. I don't think I was down on it when they announced it. I was just like, uh, I hope it's not terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. And part of that's just fantasy flight and where they're at right now. Yeah. <laughs> they don't release a lot of stuff. Um, but it turns out it's fantastic. It is a Star Wars version of Star Realms. Um, it has kind of this force push and pull mechanic, and it has this ability to take out cards of your opponents within the, the by row, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. And it's thematic to both sides. So it feels like you're building up your power. It feels like the game is giving you those kind of wins and losses as the force pushes and pulls back and forth. Um, you can control a little bit about what happens in the center row like if it's not just oh it's everybody it's the other side stuff like okay we'll kill some of it right yeah um i've had a lot of fun playing this with my son as well it works really well as a two-player experience with younger uh players and it's i just hope that they bring out more content for it in a past life i feel like we would have gotten it current iteration of fantasy flight owned by asmodee owned by embracer group is now cutting a bunch of staff because they lost a bunch of money sure I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get more content for this or not, but um, I hope so. And even if we don't, it is a great standalone two-player game experience. So track that down. It's like 25 bucks on Amazon right now. Um, well worth picking up if you are got somebody in your life who likes Star Wars or two-player games. Yeah, again, I think this is just shocking because, again, we went through that age where licensed IP games that we just loved got really bad game versions, right? There was a, there's a monopoly for everything in the world out there. And at some point, it just, a switch just went off. And now they're all really good. And when this came out, I was like, oh, you're doing another Star Wars? Oh, please, just Star Wars these days have like getting blood from a stone. And, it's, and then you play the game, you're like, oh, no, wait, this is excellent. <laughs> Star Wars or not, this is a really good game. So, no, I love that as well. Again, I'm I'm gonna do a a really kind of early plug for, I guess, Lost Ruins of Arnak, the Missing Expedition, because it does come with two characters, and they do have that same kind of mechanic where they're growing and they're gaining powers and exploring together. So for a story mode situation, it's actually a lot of fun to play with somebody and figure that out together and deal with all the challenges of the board. But as a straight two player game, one of the best games I played that plays best at two is Point City. Now, there's a lot of great games where there's a market and you're selecting cards and then other people at the table are selecting cards. But what you really want to have happen is you want a, you want a situation where when you're, you're choosing cards, when you're choosing cards, it has a meaningful impact on the opponent, but also how it comes back to you. When you play Point City and you're picking cards up from the the market area, that directly affects the next person 
but they don't, again, based on player order, they're not really affecting you if this is, you know, four players later. It plays great at two. It's quick and simple and smart at two. At three or four, it kind of gets a little loose and kind of a little bit long for what it is. But it's a great little game, Point City. All right. Uh, next up on the list, we have light games. These are not necessarily family games, not necessarily, you know, party games, but games that are light and quick and you can get through relatively quickly. Um, my pick for this one is the Spiel des Jahres winner for 2023, uh, Dorf Romantic. Mm. Now, I this is not me jumping on the bandwagon. I reviewed this game Wait. several weeks before <laughs> yeah. it was even nominated. I gave it a strong buy. I very much enjoyed this game. Um, I played the video game for several years. It came out in 2021. So I love the theme. I love the game. I love the video game version. And this implementation was really interesting to me. Um, it is a cooperative take on it. So you're working together to kind of build out the city environment. And it has some like legacy campaign style elements that build up as you complete different uh, kind of runs through the game. Mm-hmm. So it lends itself to be as complex or interesting or flexible as you want it to be. Um, I've primarily played it either solo or with kids, and it's gone great both ways. But I would also imagine I'd have a lot of fun playing this with other gamers. So um, Dorf Romantic, a game in which you literally all you do is take a tile, uh, add it to your little hand of tiles, place one onto the map. You have various objectives that kind of come out. You have to complete them. You have to have a certain number of objectives on the map at any given time. And you just keep doing that till you run out of tiles. Then you score it up. It's great. You add special abilities in as the game goes further to like different types of tiles, different types of things. Um, just a really, really fun experience that perfectly captures what the video game feels like, which is also just a lot of fun. So Dwarf Romantic, highly recommended. Relatively easy to find now because of all Spiel des Jahres games, Pegasus managed to keep this one in print. So good on it. Check it out. Excellent. Well, another game, again, looking at the lighter side of things, we've talked a lot, especially recently, about like trick-taking games. Well, there's a great little card game called Sea Salt and Paper. Now, the big attention for this game kind of came about because the artwork in the game are photos of origami, uh, of these different like boats and oceans and waves and sea creatures and things like that. It was just a different take on artwork for the game. The game itself, which I've played extensively on Board Game Arena, and its expansion, uh, Extra Salt, allows really light kind of gameplay. You are going to do one thing on your turn, which is you're going to select a card. You select a card, and most cards, if you have two of a kind, it lets you do an action. That action will usually let you typically draw another card or take a card from the discard pile or take a card from one of the other players. That's pretty much it. There's some cards and some color combinations that come together, and with the expansion, the combinations become more fun and more advanced. But you can play the base game with family. It's a 1.4 on Board Game Geek. Very simple, very fast, fun. It's it's sea salt and paper, man. All right. Uh, Next up, we have medium weight games. This is the stuff that falls kind of in the the middle. Honestly, the stuff that we play the most often as as regular gamers kind of hits that sweet spot in terms of time, around two hours, relative complexity, but not crazy complexity that pushes people away from the table. These are those games, right? And so my pick for this year and my recommendation is The White Castle. Now, this is not a game I've reviewed yet um, because I just got it in recently. I will be reviewing it in a future episode. Um, But it is from Ira C. and Shay S. 
um, who've been the designers of several recent games that are very good. Um, we had the Red Cathedral uh, in recent years. We had Shinkansen Zero K, uh, which we played recently as well. Uh, lots of good stuff. 1987 Channel Tunnel. And so this is their most recent game. And in it, it you, you're playing a worker placement style game where you are a clan in um, feudal era Japan. And you're trying to build out the reputation of your clan, get influence at court, manage your resources, do all the things you need to do to effectively kind of move your way up in the feudal order. Um, so it is worker placement, has dice workers as well. So you get meeples, you get dice, you have a, a limited number of locations you can go to, and they kind of change throughout the course of the game. Um, beautiful artwork as well. You have the uh, um, Himeji castle kind of in the background of the cover art as well as on the board. Uh, and like a lot of their games, it's relatively small. So the box is not enormous. It only takes an hour and a half to play. The game is only $40. Like it's doing all those things that you want for a game in this weight. Um, and it does them all really well. So again, I have not fully reviewed this yet, but having played it enough, I can tell you it's just yet another very good entry in their kind of style of game. These smaller boxes like Red Cathedral. Um, well worth checking out if you're looking for a good, compact, affordable, medium weight Euro game. Um, this holiday, the White Castle. My next one up is Barcelona from Board and Dice. Board and Dice did something several months, if not a year back, and they asked their gamers, "What can we do to make the games better?" Uh, you know, Board and Dice had been known for their tea collections, and most of their tea games and several other ones are just kind of bland, blue, beige on a board, and they took the opportunity with Barcelona, which is you are building the city of Barcelona. It's bright. It's colorful. It's just, and every piece in this game, the artwork, the graphic design, the production, again, it didn't need giant meeples and giant cities. It looks amazing. And it's a great medium weight Euro game. Uh, it comes down to really two actions that you're going to be playing because you have two citizen tiles. And these tiles go out because you're going to build in the empty sections of the city. So it's pretty straightforward what you're doing, why you're doing it. And when you build on in the city, you are going to be able to get the bonuses of the corresponding areas in the vertical and the horizontal, and sometimes diagonal as well. And as you do that, you'll get coins, you'll get resources, uh, the citizens' influence where you can build later throughout the game. And it's just a sweet fast, streamlined game, and it's all about building this wondrous city based on this great history. Everything matches up nice. It just fits that fits that medium weight well, where like there's enough crunch that you're going to stay around and, and think about your actions, but it flows so smooth that the game will be over before you know it. All right, so that's your medium weight game. So what about the heavy stuff? What? The thing that we like to talk about the most. We do. Um, <laughs> uh, so my pick for heavy game this year is Age of Innovation. This is the third entry in the Terra Mystica universe. And it kind of takes the core mechanics of Terra Mystica, weaves in a few things that they did in Gaia Project, and adds a couple new mechanics in the form of kind of variable player powers and setup and start and the innovation system. And so now you have a slightly better balanced version of Terra Mystica. Same kind of fantasy setting, same static board, but now your starting powers and matches are a little more asymmetrical because you can mix and match them um, based on the draft at the start of the game. You have the innovations, you have the additional palace actions that kind of upgrade things, and it makes the game 
more vibrant and engaging, um, less quote unquote solvable um, that you had in Terra Mystica, but without like the huge variability that you see in Gaia Project, which some people are not as big a fans of. It's still not my favorite of the bunch. I like Gaia Project a little bit more, but it is just a fantastic like refinement of what makes Terra Mystica so good. Um, and if you're looking for a game in that system, this is you couldn't do better than this, especially if you like the fantasy setting better. So check out Age of Innovation. Uh, it is well, it has been available. I don't know where it's at now <laughs> in terms of um, it comes and goes. And I know they're working on a second printing, but you can find used copies. You can find copies on eBay. You can find copies in your local store as well. So Age of Innovation. Uh, yeah, one of the better heavy games for me this year. One of the games I've been highly anticipated and was able to get to the table. Um, and definitely is better at four because, again, it's heavy, it's crunchy. Hegemony, lead your class to victory. This is a 4.1 on Board Game Geek as far as weight's concerned. And this is about the different uh, political, social, economic classes of different people out there. So you have the state, which is the government. You have the capitalist class that is controlling all the companies. You have the middle class that has businesses but also are workers. And then you have the straight-up working class. Each of them play differently, like really differently. And what's brilliant and fun about the mechanisms here is that they all need to play together. So while each of us is trying to have our own victory conditions and trying to slow down or stop everybody else, you do have to play into the system in order for your own victory conditions to come about. And again, depending on your particular class, you're going to be doing different things throughout the game. It's fun. It's engaging, it's cooperative, it's competitive. Uh, there's voting policies that come into play, taxation, labor markets, foreign trade. But at no point does it make you feel like you're watching like anything that, <laughs> like any political show. It's completely about the real mechanics that go into these different classes and how their actions take place. It's fun, it's engaging, it really works tremendously well and smooth. But it is a crunchy game because you are going to have to learn how to play all four classes because that's going to be essential for your understanding of how to play your own class. Uh, Hegemony, lead your class to victory. All right. Uh, all right. That's all the game games. What about expansions? What? There's expansions for I games? I've, I I've, ne I've never purchased such a thing. Okay, well, let me tell you. <laughs> go, go lock your uh, wallet in a, a safe somewhere because <laughs> we're about to have a chat. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> So honestly, for me, there's only one essential must-have expansion this year, and you're going to talk about that in a minute. What? So I'm going to I'm going to talk about another one that's very good, and there's no reason not to get it if you like the base game, uh, and a lot of people have the base game, and that's Arc Nova Marine Worlds. This expansion doesn't really do a ton to like change or fundamentally alter the game. It adds in sea creatures, it adds in some new additional cards, it adds variable components and stuff that kind of change certain things. Um, the one thing I kind of like about it is the asymmetric action card drafting, right? So you have like these different action cards now available. They're a little more asymmetrical to start the game. Um, but everything you add into the game still works, right? It makes the game more interesting, has more variability. It doesn't really water down the deck as much as I was worried about because there's not that much of it. There just isn't that much in here, right? Um, you have a couple of new tiles you can buy um, with the association action. So there's interesting new stuff that you can do with the expansion. It's not crazy expensive. It's not overly huge or anything like that. 
but everything about it is good. You can mix it in with the game and just kind of leave it there, which is what I want in an expansion like this. I don't want to have to pick and choose or have to pull stuff out when I play it. So having it all there, knowing it all works is great. So if you already have Arc Nova or know somebody who does, Marine Worlds is an expansion you should just pick up. You should throw in there. There's no reason not to. Um, we'll all continue to hold our breath and cross our fingers for like the big expansion that adds a new, more engaging, asymmetrical stuff. But in the meantime, this is well worth picking up. Well, Anthony, I'm gonna I'm gonna intro it. I'll talk about it a second, but I'm gonna let you hit it because again, one of the most anticipated expansions. Because when we played the base game of War of the Ring, the card game, we were like, "Why isn't there like a solid solo for this?" Because yeah. first off, it's a great game, and you want to play it more. But typically, if you want to play it at its best, it's a four player game, and only a four player yeah. game. So trying to find the exact number of players to play the game is rough. So, hey, what if you could play it solo? Guess what? You can play it solo now, man. <laughs> I know, and it's really good. Yeah? it's I. You know, War of the Ring is my favorite game of all time, but there's not really a solo mode for that. There's like a fan-made one that's fine, but it's it's a lot of like paperwork, <laughs> keeping track of stuff. <laughs> um, this one is like a very simple little flowchart, a small little deck of cards that replaces the shadow deck. And you just run through it, and it works. I I love it. I it's such a clever implementation. It's uh, you don't even need that many components for it. It's, it's so good. Yeah, I think for me personally, as as far as like solo kind of expansions are concerned, it's just either love or hate. There's no in between because that automa, if it's going to work, it really needs to work. If it's going to yeah. make you feel like you're running a spreadsheet while you're trying to play a fun board game, ugh, I don't. I don't. Yeah. No. 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 So this plays great, and you get to play the heroes versus the villains, of course, the shadows here, and it's just another great way to play the game in a different way. It's not just like using the base game, you're getting a whole new deck of evil shadow cards that you're facing. So uh, yeah. I love that. It's a different It's it's different enough to be its own thing that you're not going to feel like, oh, it's just a bunch of rules how to play the game So Nope. Whole separate section. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is that for what it costs which is 30 or $35, depending on where you get it. I wish that they had Automa decks for both factions. 100%. Because yeah, you, you have to play the Free Peoples. You can't play the Shadow. Like, you're playing against the Shadow, which works thematically. It makes sense. But I, I would also like to play as the Shadow, as solo. <laughs> so <laughs> That's going to be another box, I guess. I Well, exactly. It's 100% what's going to happen. <laughs> and that's another $30, $35. You're like, well, not a fan of that. But I do like it. This is a good experience. Yeah, I mean, they did that with Battle of the Five Armies, right? Where you play... Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, so there's your expansions. Last thing on the list here, we have accessories. This is always like a fun grab bag of stuff, things that we've picked up over the year. Um, for me, this is kind of a, <laughs> a fun love-or-hate one. Um, the Castles of Burgundy Special Edition, there was an upgrade you could get when you backed it, and you can buy them separately. They sell them in retail. The Acrylic Hexes. So... Not not the castles, not the big, all the miniatures. That's hundreds of dollars, and I think it's a little overkill. But these acrylic hexes that replace the cardboard, they're very nice. They're chunky. They're, they stand out. They like The artwork really pops off them, really high quality. Um, and it's, it's one of the weird upgrades to this game that I really appreciate. You do have to buy it separately. <laughs> it doesn't come with the game. Um, but there's so much already in the box that it makes sense that they sold it separately. And I'm glad they did because you can give people the option. If you're like, no, I'm good with the cardboard. Well, great. You just save 50 bucks. So it 
it's one of those upgrades that I'm okay with. It stays in a separate box. I can carry it with me if I feel like it. I don't have to. Um, it doesn't just add weight to the core box. And it just gives a little more tactile feel to that game. Um, I, I wish that other Kickstarters would do it this way, where you could just choose to buy the upgrades or not buy the upgrades. Uh, not just be like, yeah, no, you're getting a $400 version of this game and it comes with all the upgrades. You're like, cool. Now the box is as big as my car. <laughs> I got to strap it to the roof. There's too much stuff in here. Um, that's what I'm worried about with that food chain magnet box. Yes. It's like, it's like, no, no, you can get cardboard, everything, and then buy the acrylic and the miniatures separately. And that's that's wonderful. And they went to retail, which is even better. It wasn't just GameFound exclusive. So um, it's a fun upgrade. I don't know who, how many people that's helpful for. I feel like if you have the special edition of this, you know that these exist and you either bought them or you didn't. But um, it's one of my favorite accessories of the year. Excellent. Well, I got something for you. And the reason why I have this on the list was obviously exactly what you're talking about, which we did not plan this. But I was at a recent game group and at that particular meetup, one of the people was like, hey, I have a yet, a yet another gigantic box from Kickstarter. And I think it was He-Man Masters of the Universe. And they were like, it's a giant square box that it's kind of difficult to, to carry, but all of their game bags and things like that are kind of built for more or less a typical Euro or something as far as like, you know, uh, a Meritrash kind of smaller square, but they're going to bring that one game. They're not going to bring us, a, a, you know, a ton of games. They don't want to carry a ton. They just want a bag for those, for that kind of big, expensive, you know, game that they get from Kickstarter that they don't want to get crushed. So we've talked about this years ago. It turns out there is a, uh, a, a, a Peruvian uh, drum that for some reason has this wonderful rectangle size to it that kind of almost perfectly matches up with most of those big box Kickstarter games. And because it is wooden and delicate and typically hollow in the middle, so it's not built for heavyweight. You're not purchasing something huge and like industrial but you're picking up something that does have either the appropriate foam or or cloth or just softness on the inside that you could put a beautiful cardboard box full of miniatures in a game put it in this carry this as a one this is my one game in this one bag and I could take it with me uh Cajon C A J O N it's a box drum you can get these on Kickstarter from anywhere from $20 to $150 as far as whatever level of quality you want. And again, it just fits that big game perfectly. And it has enough kind of support to it because it's supporting that drum that it's just perfect for the giant games. And it's something that I think has gone out of knowledge. So I'm trying to bring it back because I think it's a perfect size for what's becoming the average normal board games that we're getting to the table these days. That's amazing. It's stupid that we need it though. It's incredibly stupid. I'm just... <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like I feel like if I ever launched a board game store or cafe, the first thing I would do is just buy one of each of all these big, yeah. stupid box games and be like, "Don't bring it in. I got them." That's what like, it is. You can come here and play them. Like, and th- that would it. That'd be all the games I have. I'm like, yeah, I have ten games, but they're the giant ones you can't carry anywhere. Yeah, yeah it goes back to like when I remember. Um, I think it was Franklin Mint, which was this kind of collectible company, and they used to make tables, these beautiful wood tables, and they would be like 
so you have the stem of the table and then the table itself would have a metal and gold version of a popular board game so it was like monopoly and clue and scrabble and it was like 150 or 200 dollars remember this was like 15 20 years ago no probably more than 20 years ago so prices were much higher back then so uh that would cost a lot of money now so i think that's where we're getting to right like eventually the games are going to need their own support system and tables and again they're just so big so yes yeah <laughs> it's so big man uh too big all right everyone well that's everything for our holiday shopping guide we again are so appreciative that you have joined us again during this holiday season hopefully many of these games will end up around the tree the menorah or whatever else just get get them to the table because they're fun again this is a good suggestion list so if you have a loved one out there who's thinking about purchasing you something for the holiday season let them listen to this episode. This would be a great opportunity for them to learn a little bit more about board games and get some great suggestions without you having to hit them over the head with it. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. See ya. Bye.